Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I think the uh, acoustics will be good today because I have my down jacket on and the hood up and a beanie on. So all the things should add up to my Aeroplex bone conducting earphones working like a dream. Let's hope. Today, uh, I notice a lot of confusion with people uh, and I wanted to discuss that confusion that I noticed. And that is the topic of inner wealth versus outer wealth. When we talk about gratitude, uh, appreciation for life, thankfulness for what we've got, there's a, a huge burden that gets placed on us to be to enforce a thought process on something uh, and in a way modify how we feel. Um, let's say there's a loud noise goes past, are you thankful for it or is it a loud noise going past that you're really pissed off with? If someone at work is uh, being a complete dick and uh, are you meant to be grateful for that person? Or are you meant to go and help that person and solve the problem? If one of your kids is playing up, are you meant to be grateful? Uh, oh, gee, I'm so thankful that my kid's a little shit. Or am I, are you supposed to uh, go in there and re-educate them and try and help them draw boundary lines between their own behavior and, and the well-being of other people? So the, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? Because... From an inner wealth point of view, it's, it's uh, don't change a thing, learn to be thankful for it. From an outer wealth point of view, and I hope you don't mind me using the word outer wealth as an opposition to inner wealth, but we'll talk about more of that in a minute. The outer wealth point of view is fix it. If you're with someone that you don't enjoy being with in a relationship, fix it or leave. If you're... That's the outer wealth viewpoint. The inner wealth viewpoint is no matter what they've done or not done, they're worthy of love. So there's a massive portfolio of mixed signals can come to us when we're trying to work out what we should and shouldn't do about something. Um, when, I, when we score ourselves on the VIP circle, for example, we say, you know, I'm 6 out of 10. But 100% of that score, the 6 out of 10, is from an outer wealth viewpoint. So let's just talk quickly about what is outer wealth and what is inner wealth. Firstly, outer wealth is emotion. So every score we give ourselves on an outer wealth viewpoint has built into it emotion. So what's an emotion? Which I guess is really important to ask because if we're scoring things on emotion, we should know what emotion is. And that, to a certain degree, they're unchangeable. So emotions are sensory inputs. You see, you feel, you smell, you taste, you, you touch, you hear. The sensory inputs are 
the triggers that cause emotions. So you cannot separate emotion from the senses. So when I say, am I happy with my wealth? I'm either seeing, smelling, tasting, uh, touching, hearing the voices or the bank account or the rent check, whatever it is, I'm experiencing that, uh, that financial situation from a, a very sensory point of view. And indulgence in the senses is a wonderful thing because that's where great sex comes from. It's where friendships come from. It's where parenting comes from. It's where theater, dance, movies, Netflix, work, collaboration, 360 degree feedback. It's where all these things come from. And so, to a degree, we are 100% encouraged to be sensorily aware and sensorily uh, vigilant. Um, if we're not, we don't smell what they say in the old quote, we don't smell the roses. So to smell the roses means to be sensorily aware. We go out and we touch nature, we take photographs of nature, we enjoy nature, we enjoy beauty, we love people, we find connection and disconnection to that degree when we see pain, suffering, misery, uh, we indulge our senses. And these are not uh, inner wealth. These are outer wealth. These are the senses. Add to the senses a whole bunch of other variables, such as what other people think. Now we've added not only our own sensory perceptions to the trigger of our emotional awareness, but we've added the sensory perceptions of other people, we've added the sensory perception of our communities, uh, our boss, uh, all of those sensory perceptions uh, become the variables on which we base our outer wealth and our scores. No matter how hard we try, we will never get 10 out of 10 on a sensory level. No matter how hard we try. We have moments of it. I think a moment, the moment we have a lovely orgasm, during the process of the orgasm, we might call ourselves, if someone said, score that, you'd say 10 out of 10, usually. Or if we won the lotto, we'd have a moment where we'd say, from a sensory point of view, I'm 10 out of 10. A few hours after we've won the lotto and drunk the champagne and starting to feel a little bit flurry around the edges, and we start to worry about how we'll spend it and how much tax is on it and who we give it to and who we don't and whether we earned it and where we deserved it. And then the phone starts to ring and all the family celebrates it because, yep, they got the handout for a bit of it. And so the whole celebration of the sensory moment of 10 out of 10 is very temporary. If you were to say, write down your goals tomorrow and say, my goal is 10 out of 10 in my relationship, the moment you get 10 out of 10, the opportunity to be better than 10 out of 10, which is 11 out of 10, arises. And so 10 
becomes 9 because there's a new 10. And that's the growth rings of a tree. So you can understand, I hope, that from a outer wealth point of view, 10 out of 10 is not meant to be achieved anything more than instantaneous. Instantaneous gratification, it's called. So we instantaneously gratify ourselves with a mmm, French food. Mm, about half an hour later, you feel like a slug because you've had so much cream and so much blood. The next morning, you can't poo because it's so hard to digest. But instantaneously gratified, it was the most magnificent thing you've ever tasted. Uh, there's an outbreak of venereal disease down, of uh, syphilis down in Melbourne. And there's a lot of people walking around saying, well, while I was doing it, it was spectacular. Uh, instantaneously, I gratified myself, 10 out of 10. But the long-term consequences are a 1 out of 10, because now I'm itchy 24-7 and dribbling horrible pus from places that pus shouldn't drip. <laughs> so instantaneous gratification always has uh, consequences. They're not always bad. These are the outer wealth sensory perceptions and why that they're so hard to control, so hard to understand because we don't want to deny ourselves our sensory perceptions. We don't want to become disinterested in theatre or unmotivated to achieve a buck or to build a better garden, uh, to plant a tree, to make the world, you know, save the dolphins, to change the water level. So, on the one hand, we have the outer wealth, drumming and drumming and drumming and beating that drum and playing the electric guitar and rattling our brain for attention. And we, have to, we get confused between instantaneous gratification, which has long-term negative consequences, like, let's say, drinking a McDonald's thick shake, which on an instantaneous gratification might taste spectacular, but when you get fat like a horse and your lower back starts to blow out and your stomach bloats and all these things, and, and you start farting in bed and doing all these things that McDonald's thick shakes cause, you might say the instantaneous gratification has its downside and then you might start complaining about the downside of things, not even acknowledging the instantaneous gratification that comes from them. A good example of that is depression. Depression is the consequence of instantaneous gratification, 100%. The gratification very often for a person who's suffering from depression can be internal. So they can say, I want to feel this, I want to feel that, I want to be this, I want to do that. That's the internal uh, instant gratification, the fantasization, the expectation, or whatever it is internally, that doesn't get fulfilled externally and causes depression. So... When we're talking about these things, 
it's really important to acknowledge outer wealth and the rules of the game and inner wealth. Inner wealth has a different set of rules. Nothing of the senses ever satisfies the soul. So the inner wealth is soul satisfaction. So if nothing of the senses, which is all of the emotions, expectations, hopes, dreams, uh, judgments, uh, that we have feelings, sensory perceptions, gratifications, it's all of those things never satisfy the soul. But soul satisfaction is a really intrinsic and important part of what we seek in life. What are we going to do about the inner wealth? Otherwise, no matter what we do or what we achieve, we're going to be miserable. going to do about the inner wealth? Well, that's where I come in. Because I'm not here to tell you what you should seek and not seek from an outer wealth point of view. I'm here to help you be clear on that and make sure that you know the process of achieving it and you don't take the long road, which is the road of instantaneous gratification, but you take the short road which is one step in front of the other, know what you want, experience all the beauty of life, all the love, all the affection, all the sensory perceptions that you want in order to achieve what you want. But be careful, which is my, the hard part of my job, be careful of seeking sensory gratification that takes you off in tangents to the thing you say you want. Then there's a, an argument between the outer wealth and the outer behavior. And when behavior contradicts ambition or aspiration, then we have a war, a battle of wealth. Let's get back to inner wealth. Nothing of the senses ever satisfies the soul. So we're trying with inner wealth to achieve a state of soul satisfaction while in absolutely the same time to achieve outer wealth. Both. So it's like if you have an orchestra and you're the conductor of the orchestra you want the violins quietly, sweetly serenading a tune while the drums and the trombones and the bass beat out a rhythm, the outer wealth. You want them both. It's an incredible opportunity to feel inspired on the inside and yet dissatisfied or hungry or goal-driven on the outside. What a gift. The thing about inner wealth, 
and I'll talk about how to achieve it. The thing about inner wealth is it has no negative uh, duality. So by achieving soul satisfaction, there is no consequence, negative by, byproduct of it. The other part about inner wealth, it's absolutely, absolutely supportive of the disciplines and the skills and the attributes that make outer wealth possible. So there is a synchronicity between the work you do on your inner wealth and the achievements you want to achieve on your outer wealth. There's a synchronicity between them. And that's beautiful to hear because it means inner wealth is not a, a, a journey unto itself. We hear so often the quote, as above, so below. And so inner wealth is above, outer wealth is below. So the more you achieve in inner wealth, the more powerful that gets, the more you will achieve in your outer wealth. And outer wealth by design. I'm not talking about outer wealth by random serendipity of bumping into people. I'm talking about manifestation, which is the process Troy and I are talking about on the Change One, Change All podcast at the moment. Manifestation. But we're only talking about outer wealth. If you listen to it really carefully, I'm tapping into tapping into the ideals of inner wealth at the same time without splitting them apart into the two separate states that they are. So inner wealth is achieved by feeling like you're a lucky fucker. FKR, lucky fucker. Inner wealth is a connection to the soul. And that connection to the soul is only available when you understand how life works from a universal viewpoint. So from a, an emotional viewpoint, life's a bitch, has its ups and downs, you get liked and disliked by people, you get loved and dumped by people, you, you win and lose. But in inner wealth, there is no lose and there is no win. There is purely unconditional and unadulterated inspiration. I'm standing here now on Ben Buckler Bondi. It's a big stormy sea. The waves are smashing. If you swam in that, you'd die. Out of wealth. But in a wealth, you could go out there, be smashed to bits, and your immortal sense of self, the spirit, your heart and soul, would be still alive. That viewpoint, which is only available from the moon, looking back at Earth, gives you access to a whole lot of uh, qualities, uh, uh, skills, assets, that can never be gained through outer wealth. Non-local communication, which means the ability to connect with somebody uh, who is either in body or out of body who's not in front of you. That is inner wealth. Inner wealth is another universe, like a parallel universe. 
And the bigger the parallel, the bigger the universe inner wealth, the bigger the outer wealth goes. And of course, there's a lot of people with a lot of outer wealth who have very little inner wealth, but those people are perpetually afraid of losing what they've got. So they don't really have it at all, do they? They're just in fear. And fear is not having something. Fear is a state of emotional disengagement of not being good enough or not being right enough or not being happy enough or not being a parent enough or not having good enough kids. It's a state of perpetual anxiety and stress which you could say in which there is zero outer wealth. Measure that. Million dollars in the bank but fearful of losing it which is one of the other areas of life adds up to zero out of wealth because you never really had it in the first place. Inner wealth is a different topic. Inner wealth says, I'm a billionaire. No matter how much money I have in the bank, inner wealth says my health is absolutely divine and perfect because if my body is failing and my mind is failing, I still have my spirit, which is the health. So I can, so you're applying, by applying the, the five universal laws, we look at life from a, from an inner wealth viewpoint and dis disconnect ourselves from the outer viewpoint and look at it from the inner viewpoint which gives us a 10 out of 10 an amazing abundance score and we only have to do that for five or ten minutes a day to achieve everything that a monk who has spent 80 years of their lives in the himalaya learning to meditate we achieve everything they're trying to achieve by taking the shortcut directly to the universal laws of nature. The universal laws of nature are the universal laws of the universe. So we are in divine design. We are in the higher mind. We are in the soul viewpoint with inner wealth. And you put that inner wealth state inside you and you can't be hurt, you can't be broken, you can't be lost, you can't be fearful, you can't be miserable, you can't be depressed, you can't have mental health problems, you can't have any of the things that plague society. You can't be violent, you can't be anything, because inner wealth is a state of not emotion. It's a state of not emotion. Now, the next question you're going to ask me, can you sustain that state of not emotion? The answer is absolutely categorically no. You have to work daily to return yourself both to a state of external affirmation which is outer wealth, you have to return yourself to a state in which your outer wealth is uh, on track and keep yourself coming back on track daily. We've talked about the back on track process to keep outer wealth growing and expanding and, and not be distracted by short term gratifications and be able to celebrate the beauty of life. That's back on track. But the soul, the inner wealth is another journey. The inner world takes five minutes a day and there's a Tibetan word which means once you connect to the soul in the morning, it migrates itself, it transposes itself throughout your entire day. And this is why we get up before the crack of dawn. We get up before the crack of dawn and connect to the inner world. Now, the, the journey into inner wealth is through gratitude. So we go... Oh, let's go out in nature and be thankful for the trees and the flowers and the birds. But that's only the, the step in the journey. 
The ultimate realization of inner wealth is 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life, which is a state of abundance can only be achieved by understanding the universal laws of nature, only be achieved by seeing the perfect symmetry, the perfect balance, the perfect abundance, the perfect hierarchy of as above, so below. And when you see that for five minutes a day, that's all it's going to take. Sitting in a coffee shop, on a piece of paper, with a circle, with crosses through the circle in the seven areas of life, and testing yourself to say, do I see, do I see 10 out of 10 in all seven areas of life? If the answer is no, do the work, connect to the inner world, and then set and forget, walk away from it. Because it's there, and as the Tibetans say, once you find it in the morning, it stays with you for the entire day. It doesn't last more than the 12 hours of the waking day, and that because it doesn't need to. Because at night, as you close your eyes, that peace for sleep, and if you've got the outer world satisfied and you're not working on short-term gratification, you will fall into the soul. You will fall into the spiritual realms of sleep. And sleep deeply. And your aura ring will measure it. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so, that separateness between inner wealth and outer wealth, and the connectedness between the two, is such a, a mystery. Religions support outer wealth. They have no interest in inner wealth. Because inner wealth, to a religion, is self-dependence. It's connection to God without a, a middle middleman, without a without a transmission station. It's radio beacon to your soul, direct. No, no intermediary, and that, of course, would cause all religion to falter because they place themselves as the intermediary, the book or the temple or the church or the synagogue, whatever it is. They place themselves between you and your source. So they are, they become, and they claim to become the resource for inner wealth. But as soon as they do that, they're talking about outer wealth. And that's fine. But let's be clear. There is a path to inner wealth, the Zen path, the straight path. It's through the universal laws of nature. It's five to ten minutes a day, which is not a lot, sitting by yourself with a cup of coffee, with a piece of paper, drawing a circle, working out, hey, you're 10 out of 10, and into the seven areas of life, and you sit there and you get a smile on your dial, you'll feel this absolute calm come over you, this deep peace, and then the coffee will kick in, and then it goes, okay, now it's back on track. Let's work on my goals, my values, my, my visions, and let's not get distracted by uh, what looks like uh, a good path, but it's just short-term gratification. Let's just Manifest what we want on earth. Manifest, if it's, if it's manifest orgasm, then let's be thankful for manifesting orgasms, but then don't cry when we've demanifested a relationship with our kids or demanifested something else as a consequence. That's what we're trying to achieve with the outer world, is make sure that the consequences are known, that we don't learn consequence by experience, because that's really, really a waste of time. I've had those experiences. You can learn from me. Why, why, why would you do that? Why, would, why wouldn't you just learn the consequences of all your decisions on the outer world? And own the consequences as well as the manifestations. 
or minimize the consequences without minimizing the manifestations. It's a unique teaching here. You don't hear this. All teaching on the planet that's for mass consciousness is specialization. People specialize in meditation. They specialize in resilience. They specialize in making money. They specialize. But over-specialization, if you follow it, leads to extinction. And that's the topic of another podcast on another day. I'm standing here on Ben Buckler, this most enormous with swells, and I can see the magnificence and the consequences of this magnificent scene that I'm watching. Is the beaches are getting washed away, catching cold, an inevitable uh, a drowning. Ah, the shipping is closed, all sports shut for the day. I can see the negative consequences of this beautiful experience I'm having here today. So I can have both the outer world and recognize the manifestation, the positive, the negative. And I can also experience the other and see I'm standing here, I'm 10 out of 10 right now talking to you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.